time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about those rules for living. The last couple of episodes, including the first two rules of what I consider the rules of living. Now, these are rules that you self-impose, or to say that more clearly, that I have self-imposed. And the reason I've self-imposed them is because I've realized that if I don't have certain rules, some ideas of how I want to, to hold myself accountable and how I want to move forward... I tend to find myself getting stuck. And so these rules are designed to help you make sure that you're not getting stuck unnecessarily in life. The first rule was about using fear to direct you, to kind of point the path for you. To say that more clearly, letting fear point the way, not make you go a certain way, not direct it, but allow you to notice what's important. The next week, last week, last episode, we talked about being present in the present moment. This is really about me explaining the mindfulness, instead of having a full mind, how to be present in that present moment. So there's the present. This week, we talk a little bit about the past and the future. More importantly, how to accept the past and how to revise the future and not do the reverse. Many times people find themselves constantly trying to rework the past and they feel like they're stuck in the future. And in reality, we need to decide that the past has happened. The past is past. The future is yet to be. And so we have some room to maneuver around that. We always have this strange relationship with the past and the future where we keep trying to reverse that, what's already happened, but we fail to really sit down and revise the future. So we give up on changing the future. There's this idea of fatalism. If you're familiar with the idea of fatalism, it basically means you can't do anything about what's going to happen, right? You're just kind of to the whims of the world, or if we really want to use that word fatalism, to go back to a, a Greek mythology and Roman mythology that even carried over into European mythology about the three fates, The three fates were three sisters in Greek mythology that basically were responsible for choosing when somebody was born, how they lived their lives, what what came their way, what happened to them along the way, their path of life, and when their path ended, when their life ended. The first sister was uh, the one who spun the thread. Clotho spun the thread of life that basically meant that you were brought into the world as your thread was created you came into being. You were born. Then Lacassus, the sister who dispensed it, was the one who decided how life went, what obstacles came your way, what knots there were in the thread of life, what, what places there were difficulties or what places worked out. And then there was that last sister, Atropos, who got to cut it. And the cutting was determining the point of death. So the process of these fates, the three sisters, was to decide when life began, how life was lived, and when it ended. So there was no place for humans to mess that up. If something were to happen, it was because the fates had determined it. When somebody died, it was because the fates determined it. And all of that led to this belief in fatalism, that we have no control over our ultimate destiny. It was left up to the fates. 
Now, most of us don't believe that anymore. We don't believe that there is some winding together by, by the, the gods or goddesses living at the top, the sisters living at the top of the mountain who are deciding when you're born, deciding what happened along the way, and deciding clip when life ended. Now, there are plenty of people who still believe that there is divine intervention in life and divine occurrences of life and that there are things that are divinely determined. But that's not quite the same thing as feeling like we have nothing we can do. So I don't believe much in actual fatalism anymore, but I think that we might want to embrace something different. Reverse fatalism. (laughs) Reverse fatalism is accepting that what has happened is unchangeable, not what might happen down the road, not what might happen in the future for you, but what has already happened is unchangeable. Over the years, I've worked with plenty of clients who kept trying to rework the past. They kept trying to find some way of making it different. In fact, while I was a hospital chaplain, one of the things I realized is that many times people were asking me the question, why did it happen? Why did this have to happen? I would get called into an accident and, or an accident aftermath where the family was waiting, and the question would be, Chaplain, why did this happen? Sometimes it was after diagnosis, and the patient would say, Chaplain, why did this happen? Now, there were times when they really were wrestling with the thi- theological reason of why this had to happen the theology behind the fact that bad things sometimes happen to good people and good things sometimes happen to bad people. And they were asking me this question of why did it happen? But what I realized over time is that many times they weren't asking the theological question really of why it happened as much as they were wondering if there's a way to make it not have happened. The why did it happen was really looking for some possibility, some glimmer of hope that we could somehow rework it so that it didn't happen so that the diagnosis was wrong, so that the accident wasn't what it was, so that whatever had happened to a friend, a family member, or themselves could somehow be undone. They were looking for a way around what had happened. They wanted to rework it. Now, we all have that place where we wish that we could do things differently. So many times in my life, I could think through the things that were, I wish I had not said something or wish I had not done something. Or wish I had said something different or even said something at all or done something different or done something at all. And sometimes we get trapped into that. We keep trying to, to go through that. You might have those conversations. Maybe you had a conversation that goes bad and you walk away and suddenly you start thinking of the things you could have, would have said that would have made a difference. Or maybe after something goes wrong, you have a chance to reflect and wish that you had done something different in that incident. And, and yet... Once it's passed, it closes off. Reverse fatalism is the ability to accept that what has happened has happened and is unchangeable in the actions. Now, there may be some things that we have to be accountable for. There may be some things that we have to correct for, but we can't go back and undo what's already back there. As much as we would love to have some science fiction idea of how to go back and undo it, We're better off when we're able to say, that's happened, and move forward with that. So this rule is about accepting the past, accepting what's already happened, and then working to revise the future. Because many times people spend a lot of effort trying to figure out how to undo the past, and then they forget that there's something that could change in the future. 
In fact, one of the things that I've noticed repeatedly is that clients who come in with depression are often wrapped up in what's happened, trying to figure out the redo. What I also noticed is those who came in with anxiety were often worried about what was to come, that the anxiety was about the future and not feeling like they had some way of affecting what was headed their way. And in reality, they didn't have much capacity of changing the past, but we have lots of capacity of changing how we move forward, how we, how we change the equation. Here's the problem. When we keep reworking or trying to rework the past, we don't believe there are choices about the future, we stay caught in those events in the past. We stay stuck in the possibilities back there. A few weeks ago, I was talking with a couple who had been married and were kind of at the end of their marriage. And they kept telling me all of the if onlys. And each one had a multitude of if onlys that mostly were about the things that the other person should have done. If only my spouse had been more loving. If only my spouse didn't say that. If only my spouse hadn't had the affair. If only my spouse hadn't worked too hard. If only my spouse had paid attention. If only I had gotten something back. And I finally stopped and said, have you noticed that all of your if-onlys are about changing what happened back there? And I said, you've not mentioned one thing about what could happen in the future, how you might change the direction in the future. The problem is that we're often so caught up in reworking the past that we forget that there are things we can do, that we can take responsibility for in the future. I had a colleague in graduate school that was writing his dissertation, and he had this one sentence that for me was all about his dissertation. I can't tell you much more about his dissertation than this one sentence, but his one sentence was that we remember the future and create the past. We remember the future and create the past. What he meant is the past that we remember in our minds, the past that we think that we have a full uh, recollection of, we, we don't. We have an incomplete recollection. We're, our minds rewrite the history and usually rewrite the history so that we are the innocent victims of whatever happened in the past. And we often end up rewriting what's happened in the past to put ourselves in the best light. You know, we all have a hero's story and we are the heroes of our story. Therefore, we can't be the villains. And as we get stuck in telling ourselves the story about how we were not the ones who were wrong, the other people were wrong, we begin to shift responsibility away from ourselves and towards other people. We begin to rewrite the past. And as we do that, we take that and push it into the future. If you've ever been with your family and started talking about uh, those events that happened back there, you might notice that people have different recollections. I've noticed this many times in my own family that we might be sitting around talking about the exact same event, but if you heard it from the outside, you would think we must be describing very different times, very different events in life because they don't match up. The descriptions don't match up. The events don't match up. The, the way it happened doesn't match up. But in our memory, as we replay it in our head, as we replay that film in our head, we believe that our, that film is accurate as if the camera was capturing it rather than the fact that it's an interpretation of the events in our past. So we're spending a lot of time trying to rework a past 
that never really happened that way. And as we do that, we begin to lose the capacity of making choices going forward that might bring us back into a place of full responsibility. That's how we remember into the future. We take that past that we created and we remember it into the future, which gets us into trouble. So we have a number of tasks that can help us follow this rule about how we can let the past be past and how we can work to revise the future. So task number one, learn from the past. What's interesting to me is how many times people spend a lot of time trying to make the past different than it was, but they fail to learn from that past, fail to learn from the events that actually did happen. Our past has a rich capacity of informing us when we first accept it and then decide to learn the lessons from it. The lessons that put us back into a responsible spot in our life. Remember responsible, that, that word, response able. To be able to respond to the world. Sometimes when we don't learn the lessons, we're, we continue to react to those things. But when we become response able, part of it is because we've learned the lessons from the past. We've taken them in. We've looked to see what can be taken from each of those events that we remember in certain ways so that we can move forward in different ways. So task number one is to learn from the past. Task number two, though, is to let go of the past. And there are two pieces to that. One is to work to accept what has happened. And two is to work to forgive. Forgiveness is a very loaded term. In fact, I've got a book on the forgive process that will be coming out next October. So the short piece of that is forgiving is something we do so that we're not tied to the past, that we're not anchored to those past events. And forgiveness comes really in two flavors. One is forgive others, and the other is to forgive ourselves, to accept that people do the best they can where they are, and that includes us. And so those things that happened back there that were painful, that we did that were painful, that others did that were painful, have to be released. When we recognize that people are doing the best they can, we recognize that there's a whole lot less blame back there and a whole lot more the capacity of saying that was coming from a bad place. We all have a need to release some things that have happened in the past, not because we want to let the other person off the hook, but because we don't need to be tied to it. As we begin to release those things we also have to release ourselves. But remember, we're, we're not just saying those things never happened. We've learned the lesson and decided to release those places that are holding on to us. This is not denial that it happened. This is recognizing that what happened doesn't have to be an anchor for us back in the past. So we let go of the past by accepting and forgiving both others and ourselves. Which brings us to task number three. And that is clarifying what we want to happen, clarifying our desired future. Now, clarifying doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen, but it's being clear with what you would like for your desired future. Many times I've had conversations with people who don't want what they had in the past, but they haven't really thought about what they might want down the road. So they'll tell me how upset they are about what happened until I ask, so what would you like instead? 
And they're left saying, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Usually because the energy has been put into the past. When we switch that and decide to clarify what our future desire, a desired future is, it begins to change because we begin to gain energy about what we want to move towards. Which brings us to task number four. Task number four is about moving toward that preferred future. Sometimes I've had people who can tell me lots about what they would like, and yet they take no action towards what they would like. Action is the antidote to being stuck. Action is the antidote to fear. As soon as we start moving forward, the next step appears. The next piece appears. Not only that, but the fear begins to recede into the background. We begin to gain more energy around that that moves us forward. We gain more and more momentum once we break the inertia. And we break the inertia by taking action. The first action was about clarification. The next action is stepping toward that clarified future. But here's the other thing, which brings us to task number five. We have to revise. Because while we might have a desired future, we don't get to determine everything in our way. The fates aren't in charge of everything, but neither are we. We do have to deal with things that come our way. We might have losses along the way and challenges along the way. We might have detours along the way. We might have dead ends along the way. And so while we have picked our desired future and we've begun to take action towards them, we always have to be willing to revise them. Because the other mistake I see as people begin to move towards the future is either they get discouraged or they give up. They get discouraged and they lose their momentum or they just say, this, this doesn't, I'm not going to get anywhere. This doesn't change anything. The only way we get to where we want is when we're willing to continually revise where we're going based on the circumstances around us. Remember, there's that interplay between how we choose to move forward and what life puts in our way. Remember that life put things in your way in the back in the past. And those are the things that we work to release, to move forward. Life will put things in your path in the future. And we work to revise our plan and to continue moving towards what we would like, making sure that we're holding loosely to it so that we can make the revisions that are necessary. So here we are at the end of rule number three, which is about accepting the past and revising the future rather than the reverse. We've talked about the fears that can get in our way. We've talked about the fact that we have to be truly present, but we also have to be willing to release the past in order to walk into a new future as we live it one moment at a time. The third rule of living in your life, full living in your life, is to accept the past and revise the future, not the reverse. If this has been helpful, I would love it if you would share this idea with others. I would also love it if you would take a look at my book, Thrive Principles, 15 Strategies for Living Your Thriving Life. You can find that at thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com. Also coming out shortly is my Immutable Laws of Living. You can find that at theimmutablelawsofliving.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you live a thriving life. You've been listening. 
listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at ThrivologyMagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.